Welcome to Lindell's Choice, a podcast where we explore the art of living and the real-world challenges that make living your best life a difficulty. A journey is seen through the experiences of a husband, dad, coach, techie, entrepreneur, and athlete. I'm your host, Tima Lindell. How's everyone doing today? I must say it's been an eventful week since last we talked. Uh, my birthday popped up over the weekend. Always good to get another year older, go around the sun one more time. Uh, the best present I got was flu, or it might have been COVID. I, I don't know. The, the symptoms are the same anymore. Yeah, I got sick on my birthday. That's always fun. I handled it with the plum. I didn't get mad. I didn't get frustrated. I just did what I had to do to ride it out. The other thing that happened over the weekend was I had a, a really difficult parent, parenting challenge. My son had friends over on my birthday. I don't know why I agreed to this. It was my birthday, but you know, hey, if your child, they want to have some fun. I'm just going around the sun a few times. <laughs> Well, they come over and like half the gang gets here and they decide to, they want to go outside and do something. They gather up the bicycles and the scooters we have and they were just going to go just down the street from us. I've, I've got about 20 acres and there's a little, some property right outside us that where a house had burned down and the city had taken it over. That's a whole long story. And they were just going to go in there and check it out. And we were like, oh, my wife was like, okay, that's cool. But it was getting dark. It was later in the afternoon so like oh yeah go on out you know come back when it's dark so they head out i actually saw them all taking down our driveway and i'm just kind of sitting watching tv at this point i was starting to feel a little sick as (laughs) my wife was the first one to get the, the 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 disease and she had passed it off to me is what happens in a in a household you know the the sickness goes around everybody and uh my wife comes to me and she's like, you know, they're not back yet. I'm like, what? They're not back. And I'm like looking outside and it's completely pitch black dark at this time. She's like, I'm going to go look for them. I'm like, okay. So she drives down the street, uh, goes down and, and kind of calls out for them and nothing. Nothing. So she comes back. And I'm At this point, I'm like, alarms are starting to go off a little bit here. Where are they? Here we are. It's nighttime. It's cold. There's really high winds, which means the wind chill is very low. They set off, you know, as kids are wont to do without jackets, and we can't find them. This is a problem. <laughs> like I said, it gets dark, it gets cold, you know, time begins to run out before things like hypothermia kick in. So I actually walked down to where they were going to explore, and they're nowhere to be found. My wife's driving around the neighborhood. I come back, grab my car, I start driving around the neighborhood. We can't find them. Uh, my wife tries to call one of them who took their phone with them. Like two of them took their phones. No, none of them are answering. My son, of course, he didn't take his phone. And we're driving around looking for him just in the neighborhood. And my wife finally finds like their Snapchat account or something like that off my son's phone and goes, oh, they're over on another hillside from us, probably a good mile or two away. Um, I guess they had picked up a cop. Apparently a cop told them to come home. So I'm kind of driving over that direction. I finally find them, and we bring them back. Uh, at this point, I'm not feeling 100%, but, you know, that, that's how it goes. Um, we discussed just sending all the kids home at that point in time for what they did, but there were a number of other kids coming over. Um, I, I really didn't want to punish everybody for the mistakes of the few. So we told the parents about it. They spent the night, and, and punishments were held back, held out the next day. And, you know, for me, the problem is 
you know, the disobedience is one thing. You know, that's people make mistakes. I'm I'm cool with that. But the problem was the stacking of the stupid, and I, I need to kind of get to my son that hey, it's not the disobedience. That's one thing. You're not where you said you would be. But we stacked all kinds of stupid on this. It's nighttime. It's dark. What if someone falls and hurts themselves? Now we add in cold, high winds, low temperatures. You don't have a jacket. You know, if something had, if they had one of them, a couple of them fallen, hurt themselves, you know, now we're talking about 30 minutes to hypothermia, frostbite. They uh, took their bikes out on the road. They didn't have any lights. They didn't have helmets. And they're wearing dark clothes. You know, they, they were probably lucky something didn't happen. So, yeah, with kids, it's always an interesting thing is common sense is not so common. But I, I, we just need to get him to understand that, you know, when you look at doing things, that there are risks associated with them. And you need to understand those risks before you go and do with them. Because if I, when I lay these things out, he's going to be like, well, that was really dumb of us. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the wisdom of being a, an older parent and the inexperience of being youthful. Ah, oh, crazy times, crazy times. Anyway, <laughs> this week I wanted to kind of introduce the principles of Stoic philosophy. This was a, a philosophy that I'm very late in life coming to and one that has been very influential in the last four or five years of my life of, of trying to live a good life, to, to live a life of, of great fulfillment. And my discussion today, our discussion, our discussion today, is, is going to be derived from the, the little book of Stoicism by Jonas Salzgerber. It's one of the best books that I've found out there that really succinctly describes Stoic philosophy. There's a lot of different elements of Stoic philosophy, but something that will, but there's not really any good books out there that tie it together into like a kind of a cohesive thought. And I, I'll be honest, I highly recommend this book if anybody's interested in Stoicism or wants to explore it deeply as a starting point. But when we talk about philosophy, we talk about the, the ancient philosophies of, of Greek and Rome in those time periods. They're different than a lot of times the philosophy of the day of like, do we exist? Is this real? That's not what philosophy was back then. For them, philosophy was how do we go about living a good life. You know, as humans, we ask ourselves, what do we want from life? You know, most of us would say probably, you know, one that you can be content with, a happy life. Well, you know, everybody wants a quote unquote good life. For the Stoics, the good life centered around the concept of eudaimonia. Eudaimonia. I still can't pronounce that. I've been trying to pronounce this for a while. I'm not very good at it. It's E-U-D-A-I- M-O-N-I-A, eudaimonia. It's a Greek word, obviously, not an English word, which means flourishing or thriving. If we can enjoy eudaimonia, we'll be on a path to a happy, fulfilling life. If we are flourishing, thriving, it means we're probably growing. It means we're probably doing well, which means we're probably enjoying the life we're having. To me, this seems like a reasonable path we would want to travel if our goal is to, is to have a good life. So the question becomes, how do we achieve eudaimonia? Saul Skerber, in his book, focuses the Stoic philosophical concepts into three simple themes for realizing 
eudaimonia. One is living by what the Greeks call er erite. Two, focusing on what you can control. And three, taking responsibility for your thoughts and actions. You know, th this week, I wanted to focus on kind of the first of these. And we'll, we'll just kind of go through each one of these over the next couple weeks. But I want to focus on living with erite. Um, erite is a Greek word for excellence, virtue. One of the better definitions I've seen of it was a, a fellow named Brian Johnson said, he gave it a much more colorful definition. It means expressing your highest version of yourself moment to moment. You know, living with Erite is about becoming the best version of ourselves all the time. Well, let's dive into this a little bit more. Stoics believe that we were all born with kind of a blueprint for us to be our best selves, kind of like a seed planted inside of us. They called it daemonia, uh, i.e. now we see part of eudaimonia, which daemonia is the highest self, the eu is becoming on good terms with. So eudaimonia means becoming on good terms with your highest self. But as I was saying, the, the Stoics believed we were born with this blueprint, much like a peach seed will grow into a peach, an apple seed will grow into an apple tree. We're each given a blueprint for how we can become the best, our own best self. Nature placed this divine spark, this demonia, within us because they want, because nature wants us to thrive. If we don't like the concept of nature here, we're much more religious in nature. I think nature and God can be used interchangeably. I think it's very safe to say that if if you're a believer, that God placed within us this blueprint so that we would because he wanted us he she wanted us to thrive in life so our role as humans is to grow the seed into and become our fullest potential to come to good terms with our highest self the stoics would have called it living in agreement with nature living in agreement with say, god but living in agreement with our best purpose as we look at this we can see that our virtue can be measured by how close we are in our journey to reaching our full potential. Probably the best way to think of this is if we drew a line across the paper and then we drew, and that represents the destination, the our highest potential. And if we drew a second line underneath that first line, that represented where we are on that journey to our fullest potential what we would see is a gap between the two lines. Our goal is to close that gap. We need to put in the work to move ourselves as close as possible to that line. It's like an athlete who puts in work to get better at their sport. You know, if I want to become, you know, I'm a triathlete. If I want to become one of the better triathletes out there, I've got to put in the work. I've got to gain the skills in swimming, biking, and running to become the best athlete I can be. If I don't put in the work, I won't get better at any of those sports. The same thing goes with becoming the best version of ourselves. We've got to be able to put in the work if we hope to close that gap. What makes the ancient philosophies like Stoicism nice is it's not just about thinking about how we can be better. It's about doing. Stoicism is very much a philosophy of action. It's about creating tools so that we can move ourselves closer to the standard. It's a roadmap for doing and not just a theoretical concept. 
that we need to understand. For the good life comes from us living in congruence with our highest form of ourselves. Well, the only way we can do that is by putting in the work, doing the things necessary to get ourselves there. We don't inherently become that. The good news in all this is that's all we need to lead a good life. What that means is we don't need anything outside of ourselves to live a flourishing life. We don't need someone else. We don't need certain things in our life. We don't need to be any one place. We don't need anything. And this is important because that means the potential for flourishing life is inside each of us. We are all equal in this regards. We all have the ability to lead a flourishing life. It doesn't matter our station. It doesn't matter our ethnicity. It doesn't matter where we were born. We can all live a flourishing life because everything we need is contained within us. And nature has given all of us those same gifts. The question is, is how can we get there? For the Stoics, that means using logic and reason as the tools that will allow us to move from our current state to our higher ideal to reach our potential, to live virtuous lives, to live lives full of character. And it is logic and reason that separates us from the beasts. It is our most precious gift as humans. If we live by reason and logic, we can do what is necessary to live happy lives. If we fail to live by the reasons and logic that was given us, we are no different than the beasts. We kind of fall to their level. We negate our humanity. We are yanked around by the whims of fate, our emotions, leaving, uh, living a, a life that is potentially miserable. But because we're not animals, because we were given reason, we can use it to reach our highest potential. And reason can be applied to everything in our lives. It can be applied to ourselves. We can apply it to our minds to make sure that we are making rational decisions at all times. We can use it in our dealings with other people because we can use it to care for one another, live in harmony with one another, in our interactions with the universe. We can use reason to live in harmony with nature and accept what happens to us. So what does it mean for us to use reason? The Stoics define four areas of our lives with which we must excel to reach the highest form of ourselves. They called these the four cardinal virtues necessary for living a virtuous life, i.e. become the best versions of ourselves. These cardinal virtues, these prime virtues, provide guidance in the use of reason and the makeup of our character, who we are. One is wisdom. Wisdom means that we are, live with good deliberation, good judgment, we have a good perspective and a good sense of right and wrong. The opposite of wisdom would be foolishness, impulsiveness, non-thinking, poor sense. I eat my son this weekend. <laughs> the second virtue would be justice, which would be good hardness, integrity, um, a sense of service, fairness. The other, the opposite of it, justice would be injustice. Someone who's unfair, mean, taking. The third being courage, bravery, perseverance, honesty, confidence, all important elements of courage. The opposite of courage would be cowardice, craven, dishonesty, 
the brave, brave Sir Robin, for those who've seen the Holy Grail. Bravely ran away, he did. Brave, 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 brave Sir Robin. <laughs> oh, the final virtue was self-discipline. You know, our ability to be orderly, have self-control, forgiveness, humility. I mean, the opposite of that would be laziness, messy, no self-control, arrogance. So we see the virtues and vices that make up our character. And we are meant to make our decisions based upon all four of these virtues simultaneously, in unison with each other. This is kind of an all-or-nothing prospect. Well, I can be better in some areas, like, I mean, I've been around the sun now 52 times, so there is some wisdom there, some perspective, some good sense. But my self-discipline... Uh, probably not as high. <laughs> you know, it's something you're always, I'm always fighting with is the self-control. But it is the summation of these virtues that determine your character. Let's, let's go through an example. Someone like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, or we, we just did MLK's day, Martin Luther King. These are good examples from American history of people who excelled, excelled in all four virtues which is why we consider them virtuous people and people we look up to as shining beacons for us to follow day to day. Someone who might be good in some areas but really poor in others would be someone like Adolf Hitler. You know, he had very high courage, very high self-discipline to do the things he did to to reach the levels he did. But we don't call him virtuous. Why? Well, because he failed spectacularly in the other virtues, the virtues of justice and w- wisdom. <laughs> That's why all four have to be taken together and cannot be separated. Virtue, arete, or character, however you want to describe it, comes from our ability to know what the appropriate thing to do is and then act accordingly based on these four virtues. So how can we go about living by arete? How can we have a life of virtue, a life of character? It starts with what we call today mindfulness. Mindfulness is about living in the present moment, focusing on the here and now, and discarding things that are outside of the current moment. I'm, whenever I hear mindfulness, I'm, I'm, I'm always reminded of the scene from Empire Strikes Back when Yoda is attempting to teach Luke Skywalker about mindfulness, and he berates him. <laughs> For about his, you're always looking to the future, never your mind on the here and now. But that's always what comes to my mind when I think of mindfulness is Yoda. If you compare the some of the Jedi principles and Stoic principles, there are some overlaps. And this is one of them, the importance of mindfulness, the importance of being in here and now to become better and not being worried about the future, or worried about the past or whatever is out there. And the, the concept of mindfulness has worked its way into a number of, of areas in our society. You see an acceptance of practices like meditation. You see mindfulness show up in martial arts and sports. The most common form in sports is, you'll hear them talk about flow, which is living, participating in the moment and not being worried about things outside of the moment. You'll see it in yoga with the breathing practices and stretching. There's a tremendous amount of mindfulness necessary to do that at a high level. So if we want to live with Arete, if we want to 
live with character. We need to be aware of all the things that we're doing. We need to live with a constant vigilance. The way I like to think of this is beaches. Most people, when they think of beaches, they think of this nice, big, sandy thing. They can walk down it barefoot, and you can feel the sand between your toes. Uh, I'm always reminded of Aruba when I think of beaches. They had the most amazing beaches there. But there's other places in Florida that have fantastic beaches as well. And then there is Sanibel Island, a place where my family has vacationed a number of times. Their beach has the most shells you will ever see in the world. At least the most shells I've ever seen in any one place. They got billions of shells. It's a fantastic place to go. It's a little shallow ocean area. But there are so many shells. If you try to walk barefoot on Sanibel Island, each step is a potential landmine. It really is. I mean, you could easily step on a shell, cut your foot just about everywhere you go. You learn very quickly in Sanibel that you can't walk around barefoot very easily. It's much easier to walk the beach with shoes on. But you can walk the beach. You just have to be really careful about where you're stepping. But that's how Stoicism wants you to live every moment of your life. That same way you'd walk a, a shelly beach. But, and this makes sense. For how else can we align our actions with virtue if we aren't aware of our actions? When we do things mindlessly, we easily stumble into folly and do things by habit and not necessarily by virtue. Without mindfulness, our actions become impulsive, automatic. I'm reminded of the book, The Chimp Paradox. And this might be a book we, we talk about some point in the future because it's an interesting book. But Dr. Steve Peters separates our mind into kind of three areas. There is the gorilla, which is our emotional base, kind of where our survival instincts, our primal instincts resides. There is the kind of subconscious part of our brain, the automatic computer part that just does its thing. And then there's our rational mind where we control the decisions we're making. If we don't embrace our rational mind, we allow our lives to be controlled by the computer and the gorilla. The gorilla being an emotional base means that we're driven by our raw emotions or whatever. If we're not being, when we're not being driven by our raw emotions, we're being driven by the computer, which is just based on our upbringing, based on our environment and our beliefs. If we allow our lives to be controlled by the gorilla and just whatever our environment is, we are discarding our chances at eudaimia. And this is why mindfulness is so important. If we don't know we're making a mistake, how can we correct it? Seneca, one of the great Stoic philosophers, wrote, A consciousness of wrongdoing is the first step to salvation. And he's right. I mean, if we don't know mistakes we're making, how can we correct them? How can we get better? The Stoics also believe that it was just more than ourselves, that we need to be concerned with other people around us and to wish them well and develop a sense of kinship with other people because we are social creatures not in the sense of needing to be around one another and having to talk and things of that nature you can you can do as introverts know they, they can do without talking with people for extended periods of time it's not in that sense of social it's that we cannot exist without each other we need each other to to reach adulthood, we'd need other people to procreate our species. We need other people to group together for safety. We need each other to uh, exchange goods. 
So there is a lot that we need each other to exist upon. So therefore, we cannot be virtuous without contributing to the common good. So there is the self-character aspect of virtue, and there is our ability to support the common good, and we cannot be virtuous without contributing to this common good. Because of our interdependence, the benefiting of others is the same as benefiting ourselves. Therefore, for us to reach our highest potential, we have to help others because they're going to help us reach our potential. So at the end of the day, within the philosophy of Stoicism, eudaimonia is reached by acting virtuously, acting with great character at all times, and by directing our actions to the benefit of the common good. The most important takeaway, though, is that all we need for eudaimonia is for our character to be good. That's it. We don't need anything else. And that's a powerful concept, a very powerful concept. Another part of this podcast is I want us to work together to close this gap between where we currently reside and our own ideal self. And to do that, we need to figure out, okay, what are the things that we need to do to move ourselves closer to being better? We need to set goals for ourselves. And when we create goals, they must be three things. They must be something we can achieve, realistic. They must be measurable, and they must be time-bound. So when I look into my life, there are a number of areas where I'm looking to just improve myself. The first one is my daily reflection and planning. One of the ways to get better is to reflect on what you've done Find out what is what worked, what was good, what could be better, what didn't work as we wanted. And then what are the things I need to do to become the best? And that becomes kind of my daily journal, daily reflection piece. What are the good things I did today? What are the things I could have done better? And lastly, what are the things I could do that will make me the best version of myself? Uh, when I look back at my last few months, this becomes kind of a spotty thing. I'll do it for a couple days, it'll go away, do it for another couple days, goes away for a little bit. And what you learn is I need to be doing this on a daily basis if I want to make this a habit. One of the things I am as a triathlete, and I I train multiple times a week, the reason I do that is not because it's like, hey, I want to get out and work, it's because I've made that a habit. And to make something a habit, you've got to do it over and over again, day after day. You start reading about habit forming and habit creation, and a lot of things. That, a lot of places will tell you it takes 90 days, well, up to 90 days, 60 to 90 days to make something a habit. So my goal now is to go ahead and do a daily journal entry with reflection, and then planning for the next day, for the next 90 days. You know, and we can I can come back and report on this because I, since I do journal in a notebook, it's a digital notebook, but a notebook nonetheless. I can go back and we can count the number of entries I've made in the last week and I can report back to you and let you know whether or not I succeeded in this one task. Because that's the other part of all this is that we need to be holding ourselves, each other accountable. And this is my show. It's going to be my accountability. And, and we can be accountable with each other. Now, when you come listen to the show, hey, let's, let's bring your goals. How did you do? We'll hold, ourselves, we'll hold each other accountable in this process. A second thing I want to do is make sure that I clean the top of my desk and 
kind of my bedroom, the, the drawers. <clears throat> what I find is it's much easier if I do something, if you clean daily. I mean, if you take three or four minutes a day just cleaning your desk, cleaning your, keeping your bedroom clean. I mean, how many hours does that save, you know, when it's like, oh my gosh, now it's all gone to heck, it all looks terrible, I got to go through clean it, and I got to spend the next hour or two cleaning something, that if I had just spent a few minutes every day doing that, we could have done it. And I'm like, okay, so I think this is doable. I can do this for 90 days. The next part of this is how can I go about and hold myself accountable for 90 days? You know what I'm going to do? I have a social media accounts, Team Alindal, on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to post a picture there every night for 90 days showing those surfaces clean. That way I know I've done the work that's necessary to begin to build those habits. Lastly, pre-COVID, I, as a triathlete, I was the closest I've ever been to the best version of myself as a triathlete, to take the stoic concept of uh, the best version of yourself, the best version of myself as a triathlete. I was the closest I'd ever been to that. Uh, after COVID, I kind of got away from the harder aspects of training. I still train multiple times a week in swimming, biking, and, and running. But I've not done it with anywhere near that intensity. The last year or two when I have raced, it's been nowhere near where I was before COVID. I'm aging. I know I'm not going to probably get back to the levels I was at five years ago, but I would like to get back into the ballpark. And one of the aspects of that is I, I got to ramp up and, and commit to training this year that I haven't done as much as previous years. But the second part of that is weight. When I was racing at a high level, my weight was in the low 150s. I need to get back down to that. I need to get back down to 152. What's my current weight? My current weight's about 165. 165. That's what I weighed in this morning. So I'm 13 pounds heavier than what I'm racing. That doesn't seem like a lot. And it's not that I'm overweight or anything like that. But if you go out and you try to run and you carry a 15-pound weight, you'll see how much more difficult it is to run with a 15-pound weight than it is without those 15 pounds. So I need back down to a low weight before the serious training for my races this year occur, which is about June 1st. So we'll set the deadline for June 1st. My goal is to get from 165 pounds to 152. This will be easy to track. I'll just step on the scale once a week and report back how that process is going. So these are the three areas we're going to start out with. We're going to try to improve, become better versions of ourselves, and really try to move ourselves forward in life. Let's be accountability partners. Let's hold each other accountable on a weekly basis. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating on your podcast service. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Either way, subscribe to get future content. And as always, have a great day if you want to. It's a choice.